0: This is the Navigating Adult ADHD podcast, here to help you navigate and thrive with ADHD in adulthood. I'm your host, Zena, and I was diagnosed at age 36. As with many ADHDers, I have a rebellious and non-conformist style, and that means that there will likely be swearing in the coming episode. Please be mindful of any little people. Hello my friends, my fellow ADHD neurodivergent humans. Hello, hello, hello. Today we're going to talk about emotional dysregulation. And I think I mentioned in the last episode, if you listened, that I had an experience recently that I wanted to share with you all as it relates to emotional dysregulation. So, last week I had a period of about three days i would say where i just felt really quite low like i wasn't depressed but i was really low mood and i was actually quite anxious and there was nothing that had happened i wasn't worried about anything specific there was no you know uncertainty that would you know perhaps trigger the anxiety there was no real concrete explanation for having the you know feelings that I was having and yet that was my emotional state of being I was really low mood and I was quite flat and I was anxious and this went on for a few days and at one stage somebody said to me are you okay you seem kind of moody And that was the moment that it really clicked for me. Oh, hang on a minute. I'm just emotionally dysregulated. That is all that's going on. Because prior to that, I had been really trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with me? What is going on? Why do I feel this way? Like nothing has happened. Like have I... Have I not been doing, you know, using the tools? Had I, Have I not been taking my meds? Have I not been, you know, doing all the things I know that support me? Like what, what's brought this about? i had been really trying to kind of figure it out and fix it or solve it so that I could feel better. When in actual fact, I just needed to allow myself to feel the way I was feeling, which I think is, is often really difficult for us to do because, you know, we're growing up being told and kind of taught that we should always feel good or we should feel better so you know for example if you come home and you're disappointed about something that happened at school and your mum might say to you oh they're there it'll be okay or you'll do better next time or feel better or cheer up like there's often this you know growing up we've had this implication that we should feel good all of the time and we should be happy all of the time you know um, don't worry be happy, you know, cheer up, buck up, you know, you're too pretty to, to be upset. Like, don't get me started on the patriarchal bullshit in there. But anyway, what I'm saying is like, we've kind of been taught that, you know, our emotions should be positive and good and wonderful all the time. And don't get me wrong. Of course, we want to feel that way because it feels good, right? We would rather feel, you know, quote unquote, positive, good emotions over negative things that don't feel so good. However, back to my story, when this person said to me, oh, are you okay? You seem kind of moody. I was like, oh, clear sign that I am emotionally dysregulated. Because so often when we are emotionally dysregulated, it appears as moody to other people. That's how they think we are. We're being moody. And they might say, oh, you seem like really up and down or all over the place. And that might be what you are, you know, thinking and feeling about yourself. Up and down, all over the place, moody, you know, highs and lows, that kind of thing. That is often what emotional dysregulation can look like. Now, it is a very core symptom of ADHD. Like, it is one of our executive functions. So... It is normal for those of us with ADHD to have some challenges around regulating our emotions and, you know, feeling them and processing them and, you know, kind of understanding them. We can have real challenge with that. That's just normal for those of us with ADHD. It's okay, right? So what it can look like when we are emotionally dysregulated is it can look like overreacting or not letting things go. I can relate to that one. (laughs) I like to hold on to things sometimes. It can look like anxiety or intense emotional reactions, positive or negative. It can look like depression. It can look like feeling out of control. Now, as I said before, often it is perceived by others and labeled as being very up and down or moody or overreacting. Basically, displaying emotions that other people perceive as not being socially acceptable. And that right there is just like, I think such a big thing for me is like, We are neurodivergent humans and we are living in a neurotypical world. So what happens is like the way that we behave as neurodivergent humans isn't always considered, air quotes, socially acceptable by the neurotypical standards, which pisses me off to no end. But it doesn't mean we're wrong or bad because we're different. Like, I wrote this whole post on social media. I'm going on a total tangent, my friends. This is a squirrel moment. Typical ADHD, right? <laughs> but I wrote this whole post the other day on social media and I shared it about how, you know, I'm, what is it? I'm anti-normal. And, you know, I just, the whole idea of normal just pisses me off and sounds so boring. But at the same time, like, it, it's all kind of tied into this being different. Like, Like, people want to fit in and be normal, whereas... The beauty in the world that we crave and that we chase is different. Like, imagine if every single tree on the planet looked the same or every single human being looked the same or every single house looked the same. How fucking boring would that world be? It is the differences, the nuances, the, you know, the the color instead of the black and white. Like, those are the things, differences, that add Flavor and joy and excitement, like those are the things that we enjoy when we travel. We're looking for different. We're looking for unique things that we can't get at home, right? Different is incredible, if you ask me, <laughs> but like it really is, right? Like we can prove this from a social standpoint, like so many people, you know, choose different things and like different things and like to stand out in various ways, right And we, the select few <laughs> who are neurodivergent, right we're those people, we are the ones who are different and one of the ones that, one of the ways that we are different is we feel more, we feel deeply and quickly and we display our emotions in a different way to a perhaps neurotypical human. Okay. Gosh, I feel like I went on a bit of a <laughs> tangent there, but it was fun. So one other thing I wanted to say is like ADHD sometimes takes away the brain's pause button. And we we know this when if you're a person who interrupts other people, if you're impulsive, that's definitely one of my ADHD qualities, is I will, you know, interrupt people and talk over them all the time. Happens all the time. And I'm not doing it to be an asshole. It's just that my brain doesn't have a pause button. That's it. And I think for so many of us with ADHD, that's the case, right? Like we don't have a pause button, which sometimes means in the emotional context, when we're feeling these emotions... Intense emotions in our body, and we don't have the pause button, which might allow you know somebody else to pause and think about it, like, hmm, how do I want to react to this, or what do I want to say to this? We don't have the pause button, so we just go straight to the reaction and the saying of the things, or the doing of the things, okay? Which often can result like it feels like a bit of a roller coaster on the inside. (laughs) Buckle up, we're going for a ride now. One thing I wanted to say is, as humans, we are meaning-making machines, okay? So we attach meaning to everything. When we see a sunrise, we make it mean, you know, that's so beautiful and, it, you know, like this is such an enjoyable moment, or we go out to dinner with a partner and, you know, They say something that we don't like. We make it mean maybe they don't care about me or perhaps you get home and they don't ask you how your day was and you make it mean they're not interested in how my day was. We're forever attaching meaning to things all day long. We attach meaning to a conversation, to words that somebody has. When somebody doesn't text us back, and you know how you can tell when someone's read a message? It really grinds on me. I kind of wish we couldn't tell. (laughs) But you know how you can tell when someone's read a message? We make that mean something. Like, oh shit, did I say the wrong thing? Did I do the wrong wrong thing? Should I not have said that? Should I have asked something else? Should I have reworded that? You know, do they not like me anymore? Do they not want to come? We attach meaning to everything all day long, okay? We are meaning-making machines. And when we are emotionally dysregulated, right, when our emotions aren't quite right in our body, maybe like me, you're experiencing this period of like low mood and anxiety, which isn't your kind of normal, but maybe you have it like a few days every month, or maybe you experience it every now and again, or maybe you experience anxiety on a regular basis, right, one of my friends who I talked to today, she experiences depression on a regular basis, and that's part of her emotional dysregulation, she has ADHD. now. So often, you know, we might make it mean, you know, I'm bad or there's something wrong with me because I can't get out of this or I can't fix this. Or, you know, I'm, I'm going to make other people feel, feel terrible because they have to be around me like this. And then we end up feeling guilt and shame and we layer all these other emotions on top. Or we think we need to change it or we need to fix something because something is wrong if I feel this way. I shouldn't feel this way. Like at the beginning, I was saying, it's kind of implied in society, we should be happy all the time. Complete bullshit, by the way. (laughs) Not a single person on this planet is happy 24-7. Physical impossibility. It's a whole nother podcast episode, right? So what happens when we're emotionally dysregulated is very often the meaning we attach to it is something is wrong or, you know, there's something wrong with me or I'm a bad human and I feel guilt and ashamed or we might make it mean we need to change or fix something. Okay, now, sometimes we are just emotionally dysregulated, right? There was no reason the other day for me to be in that place other than ADHD, emotional dysregulation. There were no, you know, events that had happened, no specific things. It wasn't a time of the month issue that I could pinpoint I was simply emotionally dysregulated and other people around me noticed. My partner noticed, a couple of other people noticed, and that's okay. Now, hear me when I say it's not that our emotions are wrong. Our emotions aren't wrong. They aren't bad and they don't have to be changed or fixed. Okay, again as adhders when we feel we feel quickly we feel deeply and we are more prone to express our intense feelings publicly than you know someone else who doesn't have adhd and that isn't a bad thing and it isn't wrong okay again we are neurodivergent humans living in a neurotypical world. So other people might look at it and be like, whoa, what's going on there, right? Just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad or it's wrong, okay? You with me? I hope so. I sometimes wish you guys could talk back. <laughs> uh, we need to make that happen. Make sure you come and hang out with me on Instagram, navigating.adult. Dot ADHD. I really had to think about that, navigating.adult.adhd on Instagram. And the reason I say that is because I would love to, you know, get some of the podcast listeners together and, you know, maybe we get on a Zoom call and we just have a great ADHD squirrel time together. Okay. Also, I'm going to be doing um, some trainings and, you know, just some things to help people better understand and thrive with their ADHD. So definitely come and hang out with me on Instagram. So let's talk about, you know, regulating and soothing and supporting our emotions, because if we're honest, there's no class in school or college or anywhere. Like there is no class that we take that teaches us how to, you know, express our emotions, how to feel our emotions and how to support ourselves emotionally and mentally and also work with our nervous system. There is no class. So I think this is simply part of adult development and especially, you know, for for those of us with ADHD, having some tools, some extra tools in our tool belt to be able to, you know, work with our emotions rather than kind of fighting against them can be incredibly supportive. Now, while we're on that note, and because I'm in a, you know, squirrely ranty mood today, that's just how I am. (laughs) I just wanted to say that medication for ADHD is not enough. Medication is a tool. It is a tool that I choose to use myself, and I have no judgment on whether you choose to use it or not. It is simply a tool. It is not a fix. It is not a miracle solution. It is a tool. And there are so many tools that we can equip ourselves with to thrive with our ADHD. So, you know, learning to work with our emotions, like that is another tool that we can add to our tool belt. Okay. And there are lots of different ways we can do that. Some of the ones that I recommend would be coaching or therapy. Obviously I'm a coach, so I'm a huge, you know, um, advocate for coaching. Therapy is also incredible. And, A couple of things I would recommend would be ACT, which is acceptance commitment therapy. That is very, very powerful for ADHD in general, but also in accepting our emotions and, you know, like I've said, not making them bad or wrong. Uh, Another one is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is really working with our thoughts as well as our emotions and our actions. Now, these are all things that as a coach, I work with my clients to To teach them so that they can add these things to their tool belt, um, but also, you know, kind of support them through their journey. So, again, if you guys want to check me out for coaching, I would love to work with you. Visit visit zenajones.com. But in the meantime, a couple of other things that I want to recommend is also mindfulness. So, Look, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word mindfulness, I think of like yoga and sitting down and doing medication and staying still and all of these things that for me as an ADHD or don't necessarily come naturally and easily. That would require a lot of effort. So that is one option. And when we say mindfulness, it's not even necessarily about the ones that I've just described It can also be about, you know, being out in nature and grounding and putting your feet in the sand or on the fresh grass. There are a lot of different techniques, deep breathing, like breathing exercises. These are things that can actually help you to regulate and soothe your nervous system and your emotions and basically take you out of a heightened kind of a state and and relax you and your body, okay? Um, all right, I need to go back to my notes because I've kind of gone on a tangent. <laughs> um, all right, so we can also start to do this by becoming aware of our emotions. Now, that, is, that has been a huge part of my journey is being able to actually label my emotions and know what they are. Having the awareness is such a beautiful place to start. What am I feeling? Where am I feeling it in my body? Maybe even asking, why am I feeling it? Is there any reason? There doesn't have to be, as I've said. But being able to label your emotions and be aware of it, instead of trying to kind of fight it, very often we try to numb and avoid our feelings, but being able to name them. And then working with our nervous system. I don't have time today to go into like how to process emotions, and I'm I may do that in a future episode but I think it's also something that perhaps we do in a training together because it's one of those things I really feel like we need to do it together to be able to see it and experience it and have the have the awareness of asking questions anyway tangent totally so ADHD today it's awesome so again we can you know use tools to to process our feelings but working with our nervous system that's been a huge 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 one As ADHD is, our nervous system is wired differently. Our nervous system is wired differently. I'm going to have a whole episode on this because... The more we can understand how our nervous system is kind of different, we can also learn, you know, why we do what we do and why we behave in certain ways or, you know, avoid certain things. But not only that, like when we better understand ourselves, right? Becoming aware of your emotions, that's awareness, better understanding, labeling them, right? When we better understand how our nervous system works, we can then comfort it. Now, our nervous system is like the part of our body that will often send us into fight or flight. Right. And we can be, you know, in that fight, flight, freeze state. So many people living in that state all the time. But when we're able to partner with our nervous system and soothe it, we can then, as I said, kind of uh, bring it down a notch. It's like we can turn the volume down right we can take a lot of the intensity out of the emotions a lot of the the hard scary parts out of the emotions and eventually like the more we learn how to process our emotions and work with our nervous system the more we do it like the easier it becomes for emotions to actually move through our body and dissipate okay now Some of the ways that you can work with your nervous system are breathing. There are so many incredible breathing techniques out there, Um, whether it's box breathing or the one that I like to use is I will breathe in through my mouth for whether it's three or four seconds, but the outbreath is always longer and I breathe out through my mouth. So this is my favorite one. I breathe in for three and then out through the mouth for longer than I've breathed in so usually I'll count in for three out for four or five and I do that over and over and over again and it really helps me to regulate again working with the nerves and the nervous system and sensation and touch one that has been really helpful for me is just to focus on the sensation of touch if you can close your eyes obviously make sure you're safe and able to do that but right where the crease of your um elbow is but on the inside (laughs) do call it? <laughs> I don't know. Um, where it's like kind of really sensitive like your elbows on the back of your arm but I'm talking about your inner arm. Where they would like do a blood draw from. You know what I mean? So right there kind of in that area is a real sensitive kind of skin area. So what I will often do is I will get a finger and just trace circles ever so slowly around that area and what we're doing is we're kind of trying to shut out other senses and drop out of our head and into our body and just focus ever so slightly on the sensation and all the different nuances of what that feels like and when we do that our breathing slows and we're starting to regulate our nervous system okay so That is another thing that we can do. Now, as soon as I was aware, after this person had made their moody comment and I was aware of what was going on, I was like, oh, okay, right. I'd already been kind of labeling my emotions and processing some of it, but I let go of the need to try and fix or solve it, which is really what I had been kind of focusing on doing and doing some of the kind of mindset work. Now, This is why we have a variety of tools is because some of the tools that I was thinking should apply in that situation, they were like helping a little bit, but they weren't really working. But instead, what I needed to go was just go with was more so accepting, hey, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling low mood and that's okay. I'm not making it mean anything. I'm not making it a problem. And I'm also fully aware it's going to leave shortly. Like it's just going to work its way through my body and leave. So I spent more time focused on... You know, working with my nervous system, I did a lot of walking. I got out in nature. I had long, hot showers. I didn't want the, um, you know, I didn't want to do cold water therapy or anything. I wanted the long, hot showers. I, what else did I do? Um, I had a bath. I often don't bath, but like, I was just like, that was, well, I shower guys, don't worry. <laughs> I'm not a bath person. But I was really listening to like what my body and my nervous system wanted And I spent time like, even though it was really cold, I walked out on the grass. I cuddled my cats like just and just really focused on my breathing and supporting my body through what it was going through. Like if you were to imagine, I've just had this example come to mind, if you were to imagine that. You know, you've just had surgery, and your body needs to heal, and your body needs to repair, and you need to maybe like slowly start doing exercises until you can build back up to, you know, being able to walk on that leg again. Like you, you might have to, you know, do various physio exercises and various slow movements, and really listen to, you know, oh no, that's too far. If I do that, I'm probably going to tear the stitches, or you know, that's going to hurt too much, or that's too painful. It's very much like that. Like we've got to really learn to listen to ourselves and give our our body and our nervous system what it needs, and the more we do that, the sooner we heal and we move through it, right? Like especially in that example I'm giving you of someone post surgery, the so, like the more you listen to your body, working with it, you know, and and giving it what it needs and healing and, you know, doing the physio and all those things, the sooner you heal. Whereas if you fight against it and try and, you know, numb the pain and then just run on it anyway, even when it's not healed, you're only going to prolong it, right? And make it worse. It's very much the same thing with our emotions and developing our own emotional resilience. Whew, I went on a tangent there. Um, I totally thought of something else I wanted to share and I've lost it. Of course I have. (laughs) Are you guys surprised? I am not surprised. All right, I'm looking at the time and we are a good 25 minutes in. Is there anything else I want to put in here? I don't think there is. I feel like we have kind of covered it. Um, the last thing I will say is, you know, emotional dysregulation is completely normal it is a part of ADHD and again I highly encourage you to you know play with some of the things that I've suggested here some of the tools that I've suggested here and also you know add your own tools to your tool belt for supporting yourself and your emotional you know well-being and emotional resilience okay medication is awesome if that's the route you want to go but it doesn't you know, stop you from feeling or experiencing emotional dysregulation, okay? So that's why we wanna add even more tools to your tool belt. All right, my friends, (laughs) this has been such a fun episode. Huge love to you all, take care, I'll see you soon. Hey friend, I know exactly what it's like to feel frustrated and confused with your ADHD and to wish that you could better understand what the hell is going on in your brain. And that's exactly why I created my coaching program, Thriving with ADHD. Inside Thriving with ADHD, you learn a step-by-step process to set and finally achieve your goals. To understand yourself and your ADHD. It's where you learn to feel better and manage your emotions and create systems and processes that work for you with your ADHD brain. This is designed for you to learn how to thrive with ADHD so you can create the life that you were meant to live. Visit xenajones.com ADHD to learn more and book a consultation.